0: We've got a wonderful treat for us this evening. We've got two outstanding preachers that are going to preach for us tonight. I want brother Jeremy Fuquay to come and he's going to share with you what's on his heart. Would you put your hands together? Welcome brother Jeremy. Love you, brother.
1: Praise the Lord, church. While you're standing, would you please turn to me with your in your Bibles to Psalms 118 and 24. While you're turning, I sure would like to thank Brother Stevenson for allowing me to come up and stand behind this pulpit. Whenever I was a young kid, I used to stand up here and preach to some teddy bears and Paige and Natalie, and here I am, at 26 years old, preaching behind it. I count it a a true honor, and I'm humbled to be able to do it. If you're there, everybody say amen. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You may be seated. Well, I had a hard time coming up with a title, but the title that I come up with is just Rejoice Because You Can. Through the past year, a sickness has swept across our states and our our country, and I'm not just talking about COVID-19. The spirit of negativity has become so familiarized around this, this place. So as I read this passage of Scripture this morning, or actually yesterday, the Holy Ghost really just gripped a hold of my soul to the point that I knew that something that had in me had to be changed. Well, if the first point that I noticed is the rejoice part. We all know what, what it means to rejoice, but too many times we choose to take the, oh my goodness, what's wrong with society way. We want to look at the dull moments instead of the light. when all actuality is, the God Almighty Himself created us to praise and to worship His name. David said, "I will praise Thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will shew forth all my marvelous works. I will be glad and I will, and rejoice in thee. I will sing praises to thy name, O the Most High." Oh David, he had that, had that rejoicing thing down to a pat. No matter how bad things got or was going for him, he always seemed to rejoice. And I know one thing within me, God, that I will dance and I will sing no matter how bad things go on in my life, no matter how which way I turn, no matter what society looks like, no matter who gets sick, I will rejoice and I will dance for my one true king. Well, the further I go, then I run into that glad. To be glad about something is a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to do when the water bill is due because you left the water on at your hog pen all week. And it's so expensive when you looked at it, it's 300 bucks. And that's a hard pill to swallow. It's hard to do when the whole house is sick and you got to go to work the next morning. And everybody has been up all night screaming with an earache, and your wife has been coughing and hacking all night. You got to get up and you got to put on a smile and go to work. But the word of the Lord says, Let the heavens be glad, and let the earth rejoice, and let the men say among the nations, The Lord, my Lord, he reigneth forever, God. Let the sea roar in the fullness of Oh, Lord Jesus, I praise you. Uh, let the sea roar in the fullness thereof. Let the fields rejoice and all that there is in therein. For we are his people, and we need to rejoice for him. But I'm so glad tonight that I got a God who is on time, that he is always there to reach out his hand. It don't matter how overdue that them bills come in or how late they come in and, and it's getting short. There's always that, that little bit of meal down in that bottom of that barrel that you scoop up. There's always that little bit of grain that's through on there to make that little bit of bread. Oh Lord, I praise you. So we should strive each day and every day to rejoice about the great things God has done in our lives. Exodus 35 and five says, "Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. whosoever is willing, whoeversoever is a willing heart, let him bring it, an offering of the Lord gold, silver and brass." See, it's all about having a willing heart. It don't matter what you got in the bank. It don't matter what's going on around. It's all about being willing to serve the Lord. A willing heart to come no matter what all your circumstances are. Oh, can you stand with me tonight, Lord? And lift up your hands. Oh, Lord, we thank you for coming here tonight, God. No matter what our circumstances look around us, Lord Jesus, we press on, Lord Jesus, towards you, towards your marvelous life, God. To be like you, Lord, is what we long to be, Lord Jesus. I praise you, oh, Lord, and I worship you tonight.
0: I'm thankful tonight to understand that when I went down in a watery grave in the name of Jesus Christ, that everything behind that point is no longer held accountable to me. In our troubled times, I've thought a lot about a lot of things like all of you have. And I'm kind of like Paul, if I had hope in this life only, I'd be so very miserable. But I'm thankful tonight that I understand that I serve a God, the same God that, that spoke the universe into existence. Without him, nothing was made. He formed man from the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils and became a living soul. But the greatest revelation to man to me is when you understand that that very God robed himself in flesh and became tangible and touchable and came down to us and redeemed us. There's a Christian world, millions upon millions, if you think about it, that don't understand that. They think God sent a second human or second being, a second God in the Godhead. I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad that that God gave me the revelation that I know that when I get to heaven and I walk up to the throne, there's not going to be a God sitting in one seat and another person that died on a cross for me or another God, however you want to put it. I'm thankful tonight that I have the revelation through the Word of God and through the Holy Ghost, the illumination of God's Word, that I am sold and I believe with all my heart and no man can convince me any other way that the God of glory robed Himself in an earthly vessel and died Himself on a cross for me that I might could go to a watery grave in that wonderful, most powerful name given unto man by which he must be saved to wash my sins away. I've been praying all ever since Sunday night when we were told that we were going to do the music. I said, God, I just don't want to just sing something. I don't want to take up space. I don't want to take up space. If I can't sing on the anointing of the Holy Ghost, just let somebody else do it. I love him tonight, and I'm thankful that I know and I understand that my judgment began at the house of God. And I thank him today for his mercy. Every now and then an old friend of mine I've not seen for some time Would stop by and ask me Where you been? What's on my mind? They want to know I'm not drinking i painting this old town red Tell them I'm serving Jesus now And that old man is dead Thank you, Lord. The man you see before you May look a lot the same I may wear the same old clothes And have the same old name You're looking on You could see inside instead You could see a brand new man And that old man is dead Thank you, Lord I used to live such a wicked life had no hope inside. And I was lost in darkness, searching for God's light. Then one night in a little church. After hearing Brother J E sing gave this whole life to Jesus and that old man is dead. Hallelujah, the man you see before you may look a lot the same. I may wear the same old clothes and have the same old name. You're looking on the outside. You can see You can see a brand new man, cause that old man is dead. You're looking on the outside, you can see. You could see this brand new man, and that old man is dead. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Nothing can hold me here. I'm headed home. Heavenly gates near, and it won't be long till I'm walking on streets of gold, singing around that throne. Nothing can hold me here. I'm headed home. Hey, now nothing can hold me here. I'm headed home. Heavenly gates near, it won't be long till I'm walking on streets of gold. Singing around the throne Nothing can hold me here I'm headed home Well some look for wealth down here Some look for fame I look for Jesus Cause with him I'll reign I'm just a pilgrim here And soon I'll be gone Nothing's gonna hold me here I'm headed home Now nothing can hold me here I'm headed home Heavenly gates me, and it won't be long till I'm walking on the streets of see Singing around, got throne nothing can hold me here. I'm headed home. Well, if I should die down here before that trumpet sounds, when they look. My body in that cold, cold ground Don't you weep for me Don't you sing no sad song Nothing's gonna hold me here I'm headed home Nothing can hold me here I'm headed home Heavenly gates near It won't be long Till I'm walking on the streets of gold Singing around God's throne. Nothing can hold me here I'm headed home Hey now, if I should die down here before that trumpet sound When they lay my body in that cold, cold ground Don't you weep for me, don't you sing me no sad song Nothing's gonna hold me here, I'm headed home Hey now, nothing can hold me here, I'm headed home Heavenly gates to me, it won't be long Till I'm walking on streets of gold Singing around the throne, nothing can hold me I'm I'm headed home, I'm headed home, I'm headed home. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Remain standing at this time. We want to invite Brother Bowie to this pulpit and we want him to deliver what thus saith the Lord. Put your hands together and welcome Brother Bowie. Praise
2: the Lord, everybody. I don't know about you, but I'm heading home. Can't wait to walk down those streets of gold. But most of all, to look Jesus in the face and to see Him that I've served for a long, long time. God bless you. You may be seated. So good to be here tonight in the house of the Lord and to be worshiping the Lord. I appreciate the words of Brother Jeremy and the instruction that was in his message. God, help us to keep a praise in our heart for the Lord. And no matter what's going on, in our life at the present time, we can still praise the Lord and give Him glory because He doesn't change just because I'm going through something, His glory is not diminished because I happen to be going through a trial. Praise God! And so He deserves that praise, and I'm glad to give it to Him, aren't you? Amen. What a privilege! to give worship, and to give glory to the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus. And I appreciate tonight the privilege of being in this pulpit. And by the grace of God, I want to be able to say something beneficial and helpful to the children of God. If I can say a word that makes somebody want to keep on keeping on, I want to do that tonight. Hallelujah. I've had the Word come to me just at the right moment and lift me up. And it's wonderful when God sends it. The book said, David said, that He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them out of all their distresses. You ever been distressed? This old book can pick you up out of it. Amen. And so, what a privilege it is to have this book in our hands. I've been teaching church history uh, down at Leesville at Purpose Institute, and I've just been amazed at some of the things that I refreshed my mind about getting ready for those classes. And There was a time in the history of this earth when Bibles were precious few. They were in the hands, most of them, of the large denominal churches that existed at that time. Catholicism dominated many of the cathedrals that had a Bible chained to the lectern in that cathedral. There was one place where they opened up the privilege of people that had never read the Bible invited them to come to this cathedral. They were granted, I don't recall right now, but it was something like one or two minutes to be able to open the Bible and read it. The line was long, and people waited for hours for the privilege of reading the Bible for the first time for one or two minutes. Then they had to keep on going and let somebody else have it. And here we are. We tote it around with us. It lays on our lamp tables. It's right at our disposal. And still, sometimes we don't read it the way we should. But thank God for the light that is in this wonderful book tonight. Praise God. I pray that God will help me to be a blessing to you. I want to turn to a Chapter number 12 of the book of Second Corinthians. Chapter number 12 of Second Corinthians. It's almost the end of the, cha- the book. I'm so glad that Paul didn't end it before he put in there what I'm going to read about tonight. It was several months ago that our pastor preached from these verses. And I'm not here tonight to add to what he said. That would be impossible. Just that I felt an inspiration to talk about it tonight. In the 12th chapter of 2 Corinthians, it says, It is not expedient or it's not relevant. It's not necessary. It's not beneficial for me to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Now, he had already come to a lot of revelations and visions from the Lord. And this whole series of verses is about God keeping him qualified to keep getting those visions and revelations from the Lord. But he said there's more on the way. And I thank God for that. I will come to visions and and revelations of the Lord. I'm going to jump down real quick. 17th, se- seventh verse. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. You ever had one of them? Working around the farm, I've got a lot of thorns in my flesh. When I was a young man, and they get in sometimes they get in there and you can't hardly get them out and they fester and you can't hardly touch anything without a severe pain going through. I know what a thorn in the flesh in the flesh really is. But he said, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation. That's the whole reason he suffered this. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he, God, said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Pastor, ask God's anointing if you would You may be seated tonight. I want to speak to you for a little while tonight on the all-sufficient grace. The all-sufficient grace. Grace is a lot more than some folks really understand. We use the typical dictionary version of the definition, the unmerited favor of God, and it is that. But anything that we get from the Lord is unmerited and we're unworthy of. But the grace of God is a sublime thing. It is God's presence in the midst of our life. It is the working of the Holy Ghost in the midst of our lives. When we are at a loss as to what to do and we're frustrated with the success or failures that we're experiencing and suddenly there comes that special warmth and we feel the hand of the Lord. We come to learn about the anthropomorphisms of God, the human qualities of God that you can actually Feel the hand of the Lord touching you and saying, Keep on going. You can feel the arms of the Lord in your life holding you fast while you endure a heavy ordeal. Praise the Lord. But these wonderful words come from the experience of one man, one man's experience with God, and he comes through it saying, And repeating after God that His sufficiency, His grace is sufficient for Him. Whatever He needs. Grace is like a blank check for answered prayer. Grace is a blank contract with God about a strength and a need and a help to go on. Praise the Lord. There's no use in putting one word on it. Because it fits every situation where a child of God is struggling to keep his head up above the water. Now the devil loves to get us segregated from one another. Even though we may sit in the same room, he likes to get us feeling that we are not belonging with the rest of them. That we're not quite fitting with the rest of them, that what I'm going through, I'm going through all by myself. And we don't even know who God has praying for us. Hallelujah. I remember some years ago, Brother and Sister Freeman were very close friends of my parents, and they fo- we followed them very closely in their missionary work in South, uh, in South Africa. And one early morning, I'm talking about still before daylight, my father woke everybody up, and he said, I don't know what it is, but Sister Nona Freeman needs God's help right now. And so we got down in our, in our floors and we began to intercede for Sister Freeman. And we prayed until that burden lifted. Some two or three years later, she was back in the United States on a tour, and she used our house for headquarters in that part of the world. So one night at supper, my dad said, Sister Freeman, I got a question to talk to you about. Were you ever in dire trouble and in danger at some time in the last few years and that you needed a special deliverance of God? And she asked my dad to tell her what time it was that, we, that he was awakened to pray. And he told her. And he said, Brother Bowie, at the time that God woke you up, I was chained inside of a tent in a native village. And they were discussing what kind of death they were going to impose upon me. And he said, I didn't know what was happening. I was praying for the Lord to do something. And he said, all of a sudden, the chief come in my tent, and he cut the ropes off and just about shooed me out of the village and said, get out of here and go. And she said, I was saved from sure death because somebody was praying for her. I got news for you. God loves you just as much as he did Sister Freeman, and when you feel like you're alone and nobody cares. You ever been there? Don't raise your hand (laughs) because we've all been there. When you felt like you were fighting this battle by yourself and that you didn't have any friends and you didn't have anybody to give you a good word and you thought you wouldn't make it. And I've knelt down in those times and seemingly without praying very hard. I begin to feel the presence of the Lord lift me up above the shadows and plant my feet on higher ground. Somebody is praying for you. Somebody, God, has put you on their heart, and they're helping you fight the good fight of faith and to pass through to eternal life. As I said, this all comes from the life of one man. The Apostle Paul, and doing his best not to take credit or to get any glory for his ministry, spoke in the third person, sing- third person singular about himself. He didn't call it his name. He just said, I knew somebody about a little over 14 years ago. And he said, I don't know if it was in the body or out of the body God knows, and two times he said that. I don't know whether I was in the body or out of it, but I such a one, that person was caught up into paradise, into the third heaven. Hallelujah. You know what's beautiful is that I believe with all my heart that that came from chapter 14 of the book of the Acts of the Apostles where the Apostle Paul was stoned and he was dragged out of the city and left on the outskirts of town to die. They thought he was dead. But I believe that somehow at that moment that God came down and picked up his servant and away they went to the third heaven and God set him on his feet up there To hear things he had never heard before. The Bible said that he heard unspeakable things. Things you couldn't repeat. In another passage in this chapter he said that it was unlawful for a man to utter them. He didn't say it was unlawful period. But it was unlawful for a human being to dabble in that. Somehow God... Let the apostle Paul sit there and eavesdrop on a conversation being conducted between him and his angel, between God and his angels, or perhaps angel to angel. Whatever it was, Paul was able to understand it. And it had to be so marvelous, it had to be so sensational, it had to be so great. That he would have wanted to share that with the church when he got back. But God forbade him and said, uh uh-uh, uh, it's unlawful. That's stuff that's not ready for people on the earth yet. Hallelujah. It's an unlawful speech belonging only to those in that glory world. But thank God tonight. I believe the day's coming that God's going to let us in on that conversation. God's going to let us hear what they were talking about, see what they were talking about, and rejoice in the glory of God's revelation. And yet, when he came back to earth, and he is now preaching in Corinth, he is saying to us that all of this happened, That I might learn that the grace of God is enough. It's sufficient. That's what sufficiency means. Enough. You know how much God you're going to have tomorrow? Enough. How much you're going to have in your next trial? Enough. How much you're going to have in your next need? Enough. Hallelujah. Grace is enough. Of whatever you need. When you're in touch with God. His presence. And his spirit. Are enough. For you and me to make it through. There's not enough devils in hell tonight. If you stay close to God. Don't get away from him. Move up closer to him. Amen. Get right next to him as much as you can. And let the presence of the Lord. Envelop you. Let you feel those arms of grace and mercy wrap themselves around you and nothing or nobody will be able to take you away from the Lord. I've said before, and i repeat myself, there is absolutely no justifiable excuse for backsliding. There is absolutely no justifiable reason for somebody to turn their back on the Lord. Oh, we can come up with a lot of reasons why this one did that and that, but really, there's no reason sufficiently strong enough to justify walking away from Jesus. But there's a different dimension too, grace. When you're walking in the grace of God, and by the way, We are in it tonight. We're sitting here in the grace of God. We are surrounded by the grace of God. We are upheld by the grace of God. He keeps us walking by the grace of God. He keeps us singing by the grace of God. Sometimes your hands go up in church and they're so heavy. But you get them up there because of the grace of God. You don't feel like singing. You ever felt that way? Maybe it's just me, but I've been nice. I just want to say, y'all shut up, leave me alone. I don't feel like singing, but you know what? Grace comes along, and grace helps pick up my hands, and I just lift them up there, and grace helps me to start singing, and grace helps me to start praying. I want you to know tonight, I don't care where you're at right now in your walk with God, God's grace is sufficient. You know, he talked in this chapter, he talked about the thorn in the flesh, and he talked about a messenger of Satan. And lots of folks have tried to discover what that was. what what the two were. A thorn in the flesh. I mean, just the graphic sound of it is a painful, punishing thing. But if God would have wanted me to know what was Paul's thorn in the flesh, if it was that important, I believe he would have told us, don't you? And we wouldn't have to argue about what it is. And it's no surprise to the Bible student That God would choose and use satanic influence to accomplish his will. Why in the Old Testament one time he wanted to cause Israel to stumble. He said, I don't want them hearing the truth. I'm paraphrasing it. I don't want them to hear the truth. I I want to deceive them. They're so wicked. They're so rebellious that I want to deceive them. What are we going to do to handle this situation? And there was one of the angels said, I got the answer. We can pray and send a lying spirit into the mouth of their prophets. Notice not God's prophets. But in the mouth of their prophets to deceive them. And God liked the idea, so he, he drafted One of their spirits, that spirit of lying. God used it to accomplish his will. Amen. The Bible said you can do nothing against the truth, but only for the truth. God can take satanic influence and satanic power and reverse it around for the blessing and the benefit of his children. So God used that devil He used that lying preacher and said prophesy to them and he deceived them. Oh God, I pray that the Lord will never send such to me or to you and cause us to believe a lie. But that's proof that God will use a satanic influence to accomplish his will. But for his people and his children he has the angelic forces to do his job for him. Amen. And so, what we learn in this, ver- this, these verses is that the thorn in the flesh and the messenger from Satan are actually a part of God's grace. He's the one that solicited it. He's Paul, he'd let Paul know that you didn't stumble into that thorn. That you have not just started got caught and trapped and wrestling with an angel. And he's trying to deceive. No, I sent him. Did you hear that tonight? He said, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. And that thing that you may be praying about and asking God to take out of your life may be the grace of God working in your life to accomplish your maturity, and your growth in the Lord. And if you know it's God doing it, you won't pray to have it taken away. When Paul came to an understanding of what it was, he quit praying for deliverance, and he got the message, My grace, wherever you're at, whatever you're experiencing, a devil is trying to chase you. A thorn in the flesh is debilitating you and crippling your walk with God. Whatever it is, you just remember that my grace is sufficient. Whatever you're experiencing at work today, whatever you're going through at work, on the job, in your family, in whatever situation, it's the grace of God helping us to grow and develop into great soldiers because His grace, His grace is sufficient. You know, there's an incident in the Gospels in which Jesus was in the bottom of a ship, sound asleep. And while he was asleep, a storm come up. And it looked like a storm that was going to fill the boat and sink it, and they would all drown. Now, there's a vital point that they forgot. That's why Jesus not only rebuked the, the wind and the waves, he rebuked the disciples too. He rebuked the waves in the storm for threatening his children. But he rebuked the disciples because they didn't understand and have the faith to realize that it was Jesus sleeping in that boat. What does that song say? That no storm, oh my goodness, no storm can wash the ship, wash away the ship where lies. The master of the ocean, the earth and skies. When Jesus was in that boat, there was no way in God's world it was going down. You hear me? They were as safe as they could possibly be because the God of heaven, listen, we're in this ship of Zion right here, and we've come through some storms, haven't we? We've had some experiences that are nearly devastating, but the thing that saved us was that in this ship, there's somebody else besides Bill Bowie. There's somebody else beside Brother Black. As valuable as Brother Black is to our church and you other brethren There's somebody here tonight that's a whole lot important. Let the devils come in because the creator of the heaven and the earth is in this boat. This ship can't go down. This boat can't be washed away. This church cannot be harmed. God is here. Remember next time he tries to attack us and create havoc among the people of God, the Lord is here too. And if those disciples had just realized that, they were all afraid of drowning and being tossed overboard. But God Almighty was laying in that ship. Lord have mercy. God was, you know what? I don't think they'd have woke him up, Brother Black, if they'd understand. They disturbed Jesus' sleep because of their unbelief and not realizing that with Jesus down there in the hold, that was the safest ship in the world. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, in your home, in your life, it don't matter what comes against you. Let the storm come on. But with God in your family, with the Lord in your home, With God's spirit in your life, there's nothing the devil can do or anybody else, natural or supernatural, to destroy you and ruin your life. His grace is sufficient. Hallelujah. Remember that when your boat rocks a little bit. Remember that when things get edgy and touchy at work, and you wish, oh, God, I wish I could get another job. If you've got a good job right now, it's a good deal to hang on to it. Amen. Because there are people that did have a good job that have lost them, and they have suffered financial ruin because of it. I'm thankful God's kept people in this church above water. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God has kept the members of our church. Listen, saints, I'm not afraid to brag on God and you too, because I think you understand it was the Lord that brought us through. But there's a lot of people thought that it was the end of Wallace Ridge, made predictions about they won't come through that. They'll be fighting each other, clawing at each other, Amen. And they'll be scattering to the hills. Because there's a lot of people around church that will stay there while there's peace. But if there's a little bit of schism, if there's a little bit of trouble comes along, they start running just like kicking an anthill. Away they go. I had a sister come up to me one time when we were going through it as a body. And she said, I'm sorry, Brother Bowie, but I'm going to be going somewhere else till things settle down here. It makes you want to say, well, thanks. I'm going to go away. Look, we all would like to go somewhere till peace comes. But somebody has got to stand and fight. Somebody has got to say, this is my church. This is our house. Woo! This is our preacher. This is our service. And bless God, we're going nowhere. We're standing right here. And if you don't feel God, just plant your feet good. Just say, God, I don't know where you went. I can't feel you. I don't know where you are, but I'm going to stand right here. I was here when you left me, and I'm going to stand here until you come back. Ha! Hey! I'm telling you, he'll come back. He'll come back. A lot of times, he just wanting to know how we'll behave. Amen, brother Black, that messenger of Satan. It was this, this, this problem of Paul's was twofold. It was a thorn in the flesh. That's fleshly. That's physical. And then it was a messenger from Satan. That's spiritual and mental. Amen. And each one of them had their work they wanted to do. Where's my adopted grandson? Come here a minute, Ethan. I can do this. I don't know I won't do it to anybody else. Amen. You know what? That that thorn just stuck it. Come on up. Don't worry. I'm not going to hurt you too much. That thorn just stuck into his hand or into his body. But that messenger from Satan, the Bible said to buffet him. You know what that is? Just don't get away from that stairwell. It mean, that's buffet. Just, you know, that gets old real quick, don't it? I mean, I, you can only take so much of that. You might take a swing at me. Amen. Oh, buffeting, just knocking you around. Amen. There's things come in our life and it looks we can't get rid of them right away. The first time we pray, it didn't go away, and we think, what's going on? Amen. And that 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 messenger, and it and it doesn't have to be something you can see. It's just a source that keeps knocking you flat out of your face. By the time you get to thinking you're getting back up on your feet and you're feeling kind of good in the Lord, wham! He knocks you down again. Until he, what he's wanting is you to get down and say, I'm not getting up anymore. But I'm telling the devil something tonight for every one of us. Go ahead and buff it. Buff it and buff it. Because you're only going to get to do that in this world. Your time is short, your power is limited. The period of your persecution is limited. Buff it, my friend. But I've got news for you. The God of this world has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. He's going to stand with us until there's no more devils. He's going to stand with us till there's no more plagues. He's going to stand with us till there's no more pain. Because his grace is sufficient. Won't be long, just around the corner, I'll be celebrating 72 years of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There's been a lot of buffeting. And you know what, to be honest, some of it I caused. Some of the mess we get into is our own fault. And there's no use in blaming God for that. And if you come through that, you need to praise Him every day (laughs) for His grace and mercy that lifted you up out of your mess and uh, restored you to His fellowship and blessing. But He's going to keep, the devil's going to keep on buffing, hoping, not buffing, buffeting, (laughs) hoping that He'll knock you down. And you won't get up. I meet people out there almost every week that used to be in church that are not anymore. And every one of them has got a story to tell you why they got out of church. And almost invariably they point to somebody else Somebody said an ugly word to me. Well, Lord, have mercy. You mean that somebody saying an ugly word to you is new? I kind of get worried when I don't hear it. Blaming it on somebody in the church. Hallelujah. Well, she come up to me and popped off, and I just quit going. Now, that makes a lot of sense. Somebody else buffets you, brother, woman, but you punish God for it. You say, I'm not gone anymore. I'm through. Well, don't blame God because somebody mistreated you. Run to the Lord. Run to that mercy and grace, and he'll bring you through it. You can reach a place where you can say, whatever the devil dishes out, I've got all I need to withstand it and to make it to the end of the road. Let's go to heaven together. Let's overcome together. Let's help one another be victorious and be saved. And the next time you feel the thorn. And the next time you feel the buffeting, just remember that grace is there. For where sin abounds, the grace of God doth much more abound. Grace is bigger than anything you may have to face or go through. I don't say that I've had everything can happen to me that happens to people. But there's been a whole lot of things, have. I've experienced a lot of things the loss of family and loved ones, the loss of finances because of someone's mistreatment, someone's dishonesty. But the whole thing is that I'm still here tonight, Brother Maurice. Because you know what was there with all of that thorns and all of that buffeting? Grace was there. I'm a child of grace. God bless you. Hang on to the all-sufficient.